thought of the lesson tonight as, as I planned today's sermon. I thought of the lesson tonight as uh, something of a part two of the lesson this morning. And my thought about that was that this morning's lesson focuses on uh, our running with endurance, on our keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus and our running the race. But tonight's lesson, the focus is a little bit different, and the focus is more on uh, the one to whom we are running, um, God's part in uh, this race that, that we are in, this walk that we are in. And so the lesson for tonight comes from the book of Psalms, uh, from Psalm 121, and I invite you to open your Bibles there and to follow along with the reading. Uh, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade, is your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. May God bless the reading and preaching of his word. For a long time, I've been a fan of J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, and I especially enjoyed Tolkien's three movies, or Peter Jackson's, uh, three movies from the book. And in the, uh, the first movie, near the very beginning, there's a scene in which the heroes of the movie, Frodo and Sam, are fleeing from home, hotly pursued by an enemy. They cut through a farmer's field because it will shorten their journey and because it will hide them from those that are hunting them. And as he's running along, Frodo suddenly realizes that he's by himself. That Sam isn't running behind him anymore. And so he turns around and he looks back and here is Sam standing stock still. He's not running anymore. So Frodo goes back and he asks him, what is wrong? And Sam answers, if I take one more step, I will be farther from home than I have ever been in my whole life. Now, that may not seem so much to us, but for a down-to-earth, no-nonsense gardener who likes neither travel nor adventures, that's a big step. And that's a considerable fear. And if Sam knew where that next step was going to lead him, he'd have turned around and gone all the way home. But Frodo encourages him and he reassures him. And finally Sam and Frodo continue on the way. And one of the strangest things that I think in the whole movie is that the movie has Frodo saying off camera, it's a dangerous thing to walk out of your front door. Which is kind of an odd thing to say to somebody who doesn't want to go. But that's how Peter Jackson wrote the movie. But Frodo is right, isn't he? 
It is a dangerous thing to take a step out your front door. And even though none of us are being chased by evil demons or travel great distances on foot with epic purposes like Frodo and Sam, every journey that we take, even if it's only a journey to the office or to the grocery store, has an unknown and uncertain quality about it. Will we get there safely? Will we have a safe trip? Will we be there on time? What will the weather be like? Will the weather interfere? Do I have enough money? What will we find? What will happen along the way? Who will we meet along the way? What lies over the next hill? Around the next curve? What is the next town like? And what will those people be like? Of course, there are other kinds of journeys that we make. Ones that have nothing to do with roads and interstates. We sometimes face long journeys through illness. We face dark journeys through loss and grief. We stand at the door and we watch our grown children walk away as they begin their own journey out into the world without us. Knowing, of course, that they'll be back. There's a journey into adolescence, and there's a journey... That was supposed to be funny, but maybe I'm just not hitting it. I don't know. There's a journey into old age. And some of us make journeys to new work and to new homes. And all of us are familiar with the idea of life being a journey, a great journey. And all of those destinations are farther from home than we have ever been before in one fashion or another. And there are uncertainties and unknowns, opportunities for good, opportunities for evil, for success or failure, for hardship or ease, for better, for worse. It can indeed be a dangerous thing to step out of your front door, but it can also be a very good thing. You know, sometimes you end up in places like Annapolis, Maryland, and I would say that's a good thing. You and I who are Christians are not like other travelers. Yes, the roads we travel through life and the life journey that we go may be very much like those around us. But we do have something that most people don't, that people who are not Christians do not have. We have something to sustain us along the way. We have someone to uphold us along the way. We have someone that we can put our trust in who will sustain us through the journeys of life on the journey of life itself. And that someone is celebrated here in Psalm 121. Psalm 121 celebrates the faithfulness and the trustworthiness of God. And it assures us that we are in his safekeeping, both now and forevermore. The psalm begins with someone who is about to make a journey. And the traveler asks an important question in verse 1 and 2. Maybe this is a son who is standing at the door of his home and saying goodbye to his father. Or perhaps this is a pilgrim at the gates of the temple at the end of a festival who is about to leave Jerusalem and the temple and make a long journey home. And the question comes to the traveler, what lies ahead on the road? Safety, injury, friends, enemies. 
God surely knows the end from the beginning, but even with the best of plans, we never quite know how things are going to end up, do we? And so standing there ready to go with the long and uncertain road stretching before him, the traveler asks, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Now why would a traveler ask that? Well, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was no super interstate highway. It was a narrow path. You couldn't pretty much, most places, walk more than single file. It was a path that was full of bends and curves. So that when you got into one part of the road, you couldn't really see what was on the other side. And not only that, there were caves along the way. And it was an easy place for robbers to hide out and to ambush unsuspecting, unwary travelers. And so the question for this traveler is a very legitimate one. Where will my help come from? Will I find help in the hills? Will I find it in the heights? Who will help me when my road is full of danger? And the answer to those questions is the answer of faith. My help will come. My help will come from the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and earth. God spoke our world into existence. It displays his wisdom and his power. Whether we see that in the galaxies and the stars, or in the white coral bells of the lily of the valley, or in the face and hands of a tiny newborn baby. God created it all. And God continues to create it. He sustains it with the word of his power. The whole world, the whole universe is in his hands and under his watchful eye. And you and I are renewed and restored and refreshed by God, by his gracious care for, for us. So when there's danger and the road is hard, where does, where does my help come from? The traveler asks. It comes from our maker. It comes from our sustainer, from the maker of heaven and earth, the one who has us in his hands. Which of us would stand by and allow someone to injure or harm our children? Not one of us, would we? We wouldn't do that. And neither will God stand by and allow his children to be harmed. Whatever, wherever our journey through life takes us, whatever journey it is that we take, we are never beyond his love and care, even when the most difficult of things happen to us. But then the traveler receives an answer. The answer comes from someone who has made journeys but is staying behind for this one. Look at verse 3 and 4. Maybe this is the father or the parent answering the question that came first. Maybe it's the priest who is saying goodbye to those who have come to the temple to worship. And he assures them that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, will not let their foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. You know, we sometimes drive places where we see warning signs on the sign of the road that say, Loose gravel. And when we see those, we slow down and we drive more carefully so that we don't slip and slide in it. 
And we've all seen bicycles crash when their narrow wheels hit the gravel and don't hold. Who can walk safely on snow-covered ice? Well, the one who stays behind when the footing is not safe assures us God won't let your foot slip. God will not allow your feet to come out from under you. He watches over us, and He watches over us without fail. We all get sleepy. Do this to the person next to you. We all get sleepy. Our eyelids get heavy. We want to sleep. We need to sleep. But God never has a need for sleep. He never slumbers. He sleeps not. And instead, the psalmist assures us that rather than sleeping, he keeps his eyes on us. He watches over us. He knows when we need him. He knows when our feet are slipping. Sometimes things happen to us and we just feel overwhelmed. We will sometimes say, I just felt like I was being swept off of my feet. But when those moments come, please be sure that God sees it before it happens. And he holds on to us. And he keeps us from falling. Our passage says that God does that for Israel. He faithfully does that over for his people. He faithfully watches us. And his watch never fails, for he neither slumbers nor sleeps. To be one of God's people is to share in the blessings of all of God's people. He delivered Israel from bondage and from oppressors. He fed them and he gave them water. He protected them and provided for them. And everyone who belongs to him will know that same loving care. Wherever we journey and all along our journey, our Heavenly Father is watching us. Making sure that our feet do not slip. As Jesus himself tells us, he knows what we need before we even ask. He can, in the words of Jude's concluding praise, keep us from falling and present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, Jude 24 and 25. He will lead us to the end of the journey. He will make sure that our feet are secure. He will watch us to the end of the age. But the one who stays behind and gives us encouragement continues in verse 5 and 6. Again, as we travel along through life or, or whatever particular journey we're on, somebody is watching us. Someone who keeps his eyes on us, who knows our every move, who knows all that happens around us and to us, and that someone is the Lord. He watches us. And now the psalmist describes him as the shade that is on our right hand, our protector, our shield, our defender, the one who is always there when we need him to get us, that the enemy has to go through him. I had a friend when I was in fifth grade who for some reason decided to be my protector. And anybody who wanted to mess with me had to deal with Jimmy. And he was bigger than any fifth grader ever was. And it was wonderful to be so protected. Well, we're protected that way by God. The sun will not harm us by day nor the moon by night. The scorching heat of the sun can strike us down with sunstroke and heat exhaustion. But the psalmist says God protects us from the heat. 
The ancients believed that the moon caused madness. It was thought of as a sinister threat that caused great harm. You ever heard somebody called a lunatic? Luna being moon? But neither sun nor moon can harm us, the psalmist says, because God shades us. And he protects us. He stands guard over our life. And when danger threatens, whether it comes to us by night or by day, he is with us and he defends us and he protects us. The lightning strikes and the thunder rolls and the wind threatens to blow everything away. And you're three or four years old. Where do you want to be? Where do you go? Well, you run to mommy and daddy, don't you? And if it's nighttime, you jump in their bed and you hide down in their sheets because mommy and daddy won't let you be hurt. Well, the one who stays home tells the traveler that he can trust God. He can trust his heavenly Father even more. For God promises, Neither will, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And little children trust that promise on life's journey and on the journey of life. Psalm 91 has these words in its beginning. This promise that begins this wonderful song. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. The one who stays behind sends the traveler off with a final word in verse 7 and 8. As a traveler takes the first steps down the road away into the unknown, he does so with the assurance that whatever harm may come his way, whatever threatens his life, the Lord is going to keep him. The Lord will be watching over his life. In fact, he can tell him that when he comes in and when he goes out, as he goes through the everyday normal routines of life, when, when there is no crisis, just the normal coming and going of life, even then, the Lord watches over him. He watches his coming and going now and forevermore. The one who stays behind assures him that he will never ever find a place that is beyond God's watchful eye. If he goes up to the heavens, God is there. If he goes to the deepest places of the ocean, God is there. If he travels with the sun from its rising to its setting, God is there. Even there, God's hand will guide him. His right hand will hold him fast. If the writer journeys into the, if the traveler journeys into the night, the night will not hide him from God. The darkness is not dark to God. The night shines like day, for darkness is as light to God. God created us down to the smallest cell. He was there at our conception. He watched as one cell divided from the other. He knew us before he knew our, we knew ourselves. He hems us in, behind and before. 
He lays His hands upon us. Psalm 139. He will keep us from all harm. He will watch over our life. He will watch our coming and going now and forevermore. He is our shepherd, and we will not want. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. He restores our soul. He guides us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. We don't have any way of knowing when this psalm was written. We don't know the circumstances in which it was written. Was it inspired by God for those who were traveling to Jerusalem for the great feasts like Passover, the great assemblies like the Day of Atonement? Some students of the Psalms would tell us that that is where this psalm has its setting. Or did it have a more general purpose of giving encouragement and comfort for anyone who found themselves passing through difficulties? I suppose the only answer to those questions is yes. Psalm 121 could have been used in a wide variety of settings. But the wonder of God's love that is expressed in this psalm is that as the years have passed, the psalm continues to be a fresh word from God to his people. It keeps on reminding us, even in our day and age, that our Heavenly Father has a watchful eye. It reminds us again that we are under his care and that our lives are not dangling out there waiting for something evil and random to happen to us, but rather our lives are in his hands. I don't know that there's a connection with Jesus' last words, but they certainly seem to be an echo of this psalm. For he promises the apostles, I am with you, lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. It seems to me that that's the same message that this psalm is giving. The psalm may not seem to be practical, but I think it's just the opposite, that it's very practical. It's practical because it continues to speak to us. It is the living word of God. It speaks to our lives, and it continues to say to us who live in 2008, this is who God is. This is what God does, what he will do for you. And this being true, as we heard in the song in Hebrews this morning, keep the faith. If this is who he is and this is what he does, then live by faith and walk by faith and not by sight. Run with endurance the race that is set before you. Take this psalm and this hope as your lantern against the night, as your sword against the enemy. The psalm calls us, as Hebrews 12 does, to live in this trust, to live in this confidence, in this hope, because God is watching. He does not take his eyes off of us. Maybe most of us have had the experience of being at the the park with a small child and how fast can they get away from us. We never get away from God. We never get away from his watch. So give yourself to him and to his purpose. And don't hold anything back because he's watching you and he keeps you forever and forevermore. There might be some different reactions to this. 
song. One that I certainly hope is there tonight is, is a renewed sense of security. I, I hope this lifts you up and encourages you. I hope this assures you that, that nothing whatsoever can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. The psalm assures us that the peace of God transcends all understanding and that it's a mighty fortress that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and that we can rest in that peace, in that confidence. A second response, I suspect, is to hear this psalm and to have a sense of longing. The road we are on is long, and sometimes it is hard. And we don't really know what lies ahead. We may have more questions than answers, more doubts than assurances. And deep down, we want to rest and be comforted and be secure. We want what this psalm holds out to us. But maybe these words sound just a little bit too good to be true. Too much to hope for. But perhaps the problem is not that the promises of God are too good or too much to hope for. Perhaps the reason that we have such longing and such questions is that our eyes have been too long fixed on the road and on the things that happen to us on the road and not on Jesus. Perhaps like Peter, we have too long been watching the storm and not keeping our eye on Jesus. Our eyes are sometimes set on what might happen. What if? What if? And not on our Heavenly Father that says to us every day, I have everything covered. I have it all covered. And the psalm speaks to that. It tells us again that our feet will not slip, that he will not slumber, that he will not fail to watch us. And maybe there's someone tonight who listens to this and feels a need to deny it. Is there just too much evidence to the contrary that God watches over us perfectly as the one who remains behind promises? And I think that's a problem in, in listening to this psalm. But the truth is this. In practical terms, a life cushioned from all unpleasantness, cushioned from all difficulties, cushioned from all sin, was never ever the lot of God's people. Read Genesis to Revelation. Like I said this morning, God doesn't wrap his people in bubble wrap and put on it handle with care fragile. But believers in every age have turned to this song and heard its message deep in their hearts and have found encouragement in it. And out of that encouragement have been able to bear the heat and the burden of the day and have been able to lay down their heads at night and sleep with contentment. God's children may entrust their lives to Him and know that He is their faithful Creator and Redeemer and derive strength from the knowledge that the peace of God keeps their hearts and minds. When Satan has a go at us, 
When our journey is hard and difficult, when it takes us through one storm after the other, when hardship and loss come, when suffering and pain come, He is the one who sustains us. If we get to one of those points that all we can do is put one foot in front of the other, who do you think it is that is giving you the strength to put one foot in front of the other? Our Heavenly Father. He is taking us through. He heals us. He picks us up. He helps us to get going again. He has good things ahead of us. Sunshine and warmth. His plans for us, as Jeremiah tells the exiles in Jeremiah, are for our good. His intention, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, is not for his wrath, but for his salvation. So it may be indeed frightening to take that next step. To take that first step away from home. And we may end up farther away than we've ever been before. But again, we cannot take a step that will take us beyond God. We cannot take a step that will lead us away from Him. Every step we take in faith and obedience leads us faithfully homeward. Leads us faithfully heavenward. So don't be discouraged. And don't give up. Don't be defeated. Don't stand in a field somewhere and be afraid to take another step. If the road is good and pleasant now, and for some of us it really is, rejoice before the Lord and thank Him for what He is doing. If the road is bad and difficult now, rejoice and thank God that He is with you and that He is delivering you from whatever you're having to endure and He will deliver you soon. Never forget... Never forget that Jesus stands at the finish line and he has a crown with which he will crown us when we cross that line. May God strengthen us and bless us. May he keep us this week. We're going to stand now and sing our song of encouragement. If you need to do God's will, if you need the prayers of the church, come while we stand this thing together.